For most of us, February 2nd isn't a special day. In fact, I usually forget about Groundhog's Day altogether. I personally believe it's an absolutely ridiculous, here's air quotes, holiday. But for some people, especially in ancient times, the day had a lot more meaning. Today, we'll look into the origins of Groundhog's Day. Yes, it's more than just an overrated Bill Murray time loop movie. I'm Laura Taylor, and w- as with me as always is... Hi, I'm Andrew. Nice to meet you. Welcome to Digging Deeper with the Ancients. We're back from our month-long hiatus with another episode based around the history of a modern holiday or celebration. When looking for our next topic, I realized this episode will be released on Groundhog's Day. So why not cover that? As I mentioned before, I believe Groundhog's Day is pretty ridiculous, and indeed its modern celebration is. But when looking into the history of it, I learned that it may be based on a lot more. Let me start out by explaining that like many traditions that are passed on and exchanged over time, we don't actually know for sure if our modern Groundhog's Day does have roots in any or all of the ancient celebrations I'll be discussing. All of the ancient celebrations I'll talk about occurred at the same time as our modern Groundhog's Day. And while some have similarities, others appear to be completely different. Either way, Let's get into the ancient history of February 2nd. Falling midway between the winter solstice and the spring equinox, February 2nd is a significant day in several ancient and modern traditions. The Celts, for instance, celebrated it as Imbolc, a pagan festival marking the beginning of spring. As Christianity spread throughout Europe, Imbolc evolved into Candlemas, a feast commemorating the presentation of Jesus at the Holy Temple in Jerusalem. In certain parts of Europe, Christians believed that a sunny Candlemas meant another 40 days of cold and snow. Germans developed their own take on the legend, pronouncing the day sunny only if badgers and other small animals glimpsed their own shadows. When German immigrants settled Pennsylvania in the 18th and 19th centuries, they brought the custom with them choosing the native groundhog as the annual forecaster. Additionally, in Europe, a relationship was established early on between the waking of hibernating animals such as bears, otters, hedgehogs, and marmot-type creatures like groundhogs, and the end of winter. According to European beliefs, spring's arrival could be predicted based on the awakening of such animals. European settlers, particularly Germans, may have brought this belief with them to North America and relied on the marmot, which is also called the groundhog or woodchuck, one of the most widespread hibernating animals, to predict whether prolonged winter's conditions or spring-summer lay in store. Like many ancient traditions carried over into modern times, we don't know the exact details, such as whether they chose groundhogs because they are a hibernating animal or just they're small and common, or both. We can, however, make some pretty good educated guesses and learn more about the history. Now the American tradition of Groundhog's Day started in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania in 1887 
as a publicity stunt by a local newspaper editor. According to tradition, if a groundhog comes out of its hole on this day and sees its shadow, it gets scared and runs back into its burrow, predicting six more weeks of winter. No shadow means an early spring, and that's basically it, and it hasn't changed much, with the exception of adding more entertainment and activities over multiple days to draw in more tourists. Now they have a huge festival, they bring in bands and all sorts of entertainment. Reporters. Well, that's always been the case. (laughs) So let's go back to the pagan times and the Celtic celebration of Imbolc. Imbolc, which falls at the halfway point between the winter solstice and the spring equinox, is the beginning of spring in the Celtic calendar. It celebrated the evening of February 1st leading into the 2nd. The earliest mentions of Imbolc in Irish literature date back to the 10th century. It's associated with purification and the return of light to the world after the darkness of winter. And so it's also a day that honors one of the most powerful Celtic gods, the goddess for light, fire, healing, and fertility, Brigid. Brigid was, like Imbolc, absorbed into Christianity and became Saint Brigid, the patron saint of Irish nuns, newborns, midwives, dairymaids, and cattle. One of Ireland's three patron saints, the Catholic Church claims Saint Bridget was a historical person, with accounts of her life written by monks dating back to the 8th century. Whether or not she existed, these stories contain aspects in common with the details of the pagan goddess, and illustrate the transition from pagan to Christian worship. Like the goddess Bridget, Saint Bridget is associated with milk and fire. Born in Ireland around 453 AD, Saint Bridget was the daughter of a slave and a chieftain who was celebrated at an early age for her agricultural knowledge. With no interest in marrying, Bridget's goal was to create a monastery in Kildare, supposedly the former site of a shrine to the Celtic goddess of the same name. Bridget lived her entire life there. She was renowned for her charity to the poor, and stories abound about her healing powers. St. Bridget was a friend of St. Patrick, whose preaching set her on a course at an early age, and she became Ireland's first nun. St. Bridget is said to have died in 524 AD. The remains of her skull and hand are claimed to be in the possession of churches in Portugal. Why Portugal? I have no idea. I was kind of curious since she's such a Irish, but anyways. <laughs> the celebration of St. Bridget's Day on February 1st was put in place by the church to replace Imbolc. On her feast day, an effigy of St. Bridget of Kildare is traditionally washed in the ocean and surrounded by candles to dry, and stalks of wheat are transformed into cross talismans known as Bridget Crosses. During the pagan Bridget's Day, celebrants would light candles, construct effigies, and make beds for Bridget to visit and bless their house, and engage in weather divination. Weather divination was vitally important to pretty much everyone, because they relied on farming to survive. There are lots of methods, but one associated with Imbolc was not even about Bridget, but instead the goddess of winter. It is said that on Imbolc, the goddess of winter goes to gather her firewood. 
The legend states that if she wants to linger longer in the world before retreating for the year, she will make the day bright and sunny so she can gather more wood. Therefore, if Imbolc is sunny and an animal like a badger, snake, or say a groundhog peeks out of a winter burrow and sees their shadow, that means winter will last longer. The modern celebration of Imbolc is considered a very low-key, loose, and sometimes private affair concerned with reconnecting with nature. Since it's a climate-specific holiday, some followers of the Wicca religion adjust their celebration of it to correspond with a date more appropriate to the coming of spring where they live. Others embrace the symbolism of the holiday and keep to the February 1st celebration. Like for us, for instance. On February 1st, we will probably still have a lot of snow and cold weather, right? Especially this year. Yeah, we have like three feet of snow right now. Yeah. So if you are a Wiccan living up in northern Alberta, Canada here, you probably wouldn't be celebrating in bulk on February 1st. You'd probably push it forward to May. Yes, exactly. Traditions from both the pagan celebration of in bulk and the Christian celebration of St. Bridget's Day can be found in the modern in bulk celebration. Celebrants sometimes make a Bridget cross out of reeds as well as a Bridget corn doll or effigy. Candlemass. Candlemass itself dates back to pagan times when farmers would purify their, their lands by carrying torches in procession before sowing time. Although it is unclear if this was part of in bulk or just something done around the same time where fire was also important. In another case, Candlemass was the day of the year when all candles that were used in the church during the coming year were brought into church and a blessing was said over them. So literally a mass of the candles. Candles were important in those days, not only because they lacked electricity, but many people thought they gave protection against plague, illness, and famine. So again, we have brought into the, the weather thing for the wanting the crops to grow. Mm-hmm. And then protection it's against... the opposite of Thanksgiving. Because Thanksgiving is giving thanks for the crop growing. Yeah, yeah. But Thanksgiving is a very modern thing. In relative... Candle Mass is also a Christian holiday celebrated on February 2nd and has aspects in common with Imbolc. Its celebration can be traced to 4th century Greece as a purification holiday and a celebration of the return of light. Candlemass, known by many different names across time and religions, is a Christian holy day, commemorating the occasion when the Virgin Mary, in obedience to Jewish law, went to the temple in Jerusalem, both to be purified 40 days after the birth of her son, Jesus, and to present him to God as her firstborn. Candles have traditionally been used in its observance. It's possible the Candle Mass is a Christian adaptation of the Roman holiday Februalia. So are you telling me that the Christians stole someone else's idea and just put their name on it and just so people would start celebrating under their terms? Well, it looks like they may have moved things, switched things around from multiple different people. It's possible they took from... What? It's possible they took from the Greeks, the Celts, the Romans, it's... Yeah. Who really knows? <laughs> this is just all the different things that were happening at that time. Mm-hmm. The ancient Romans had a festival for nearly everything. And if you were a god, you almost always got your own holiday. 
Februus, for whom the month of February is named, was a god associated with both death and purification. So again, we get the purification aspect. Unlike the other holidays I've mentioned that are associated with the history of Groundhog's Day, Februalia... <laughs> I have trouble with that word. Februalia was a month-long period of sacrifice and atonement involving offerings to the gods, prayer, and sacrifices. If you were a wealthy Roman who didn't have to go out and work, you could literally spend the entire month of February in prayer and meditation, atoning for your misdeeds during the other 11 months of the year. Nice. So one month of asking forgiveness, and then you get to be bad the rest of the year? Is that what the Romans did? Yes. Sounds like it. In ancient times, fire was often associated with purification, as is the case with in bulk and Februalia. And because of this association, at some point the celebration of Februalia became associated with Vesta, a hearth goddess, much like the Celtic Bridget. Not only that, February 2nd is also considered the day of Juno Februa, the mother of the god of war Mars. There is a reference to this purification holiday in Ovid's book, Vasti. Cicero also wrote that the name Vesta comes from the Greeks who called her Hestia, which we covered in a previous episode about the Greek gods. But this name Hestia was because her power extended over altars and hearths. Because of this, all prayers and all sacrifices ended with Vesta or Hestia, which may explain why she seemingly took over Februalia. It wasn't just Februalia, she was a very important goddess in all sacrifices and prayers, so she likely took over most Roman festivals which is why she was much more important, because we did talk about that. She was, is a much more important god in, for the Romans than she was for the Greeks, because she wasn't associated so much with the purification as she was for Rome. Right. So she didn't take over all of the celebrations. If you're a modern pagan who would like to observe Februalia as part of your spiritual journey, there are a number of ways you can do so. Consider this a time of purging and cleansing. Do a thorough spring cleaning, where you get rid of all the things that no longer bring you joy and happiness. Think Marie Kondo. <laughs> <laughs> Take an out with the old, in with the new approach and eliminate the excess stuff that's cluttering your life, both physically and emotionally. Now, I was very disappointed with my Simpsons reference for this episode. <laughs> So I saved it for the end. The only Groundhog Day, in bulk, candle mass, or Februalia reference I found was in a Treehouse of Horror episode, so it's not even canon, when the comic book guy mentions the comedy time loop film about Phil Collins, sorry. Phil Connors. Phil Connors, yes, called Groundhog Day which has absolutely nothing to do with the history of the day unless I try stretching it. To say historical purification was a big part of the day, and in the movie, he doesn't get to move on until he gets the day perfect. Maybe that's his purification? 
Yeah, I know. It's a big time stretch. Well, and, and Groundhog Day itself is, if the groundhog sees its shadow, well, the, the, it's the same thing all over again for the next six weeks. I guess so. Okay. That's the way I'm looking at it from all my references. <laughs> okay. What all did you find? Did you find anything on Imbolc or Candlemass? Uh, yes, and I will get to those. Okay. And I will get to those. But first, we'll start with just Groundhog's Day in, in particular. And of course, everyone knows the 1993 film with Bill Murray, all about a time loop where the, the guy lives the day over and over and over again, and which created the Groundhog Day phenomenon. And it's talked about in books, uh, like for instance, Before I Fall by Lauren Oliver. He relived the last day of her life. Uh, it was also made in, 20, in a movie in 2017. Every Day by David Leviathan. Time keeps moving, but he wakes up in a different body every day. I know. It, That's it, weird. It's, it's like a quantum leap, actually. But, but quantum leap goes back in time. And Anyways. And movies and TV, Russian Doll from 2019. It's a TV series on Netflix. Uh, she relives her 36th birthday over and over and over again. She dies at the end of every day. Happy Death Day 1 Happy and 2. Happy Death Day 1 and 2. Uh, Palm Springs, the movie that came out last year, or last year, actually, it came, I think it came out in 2020 in, in, in the U.S., but I just watched it recently. It's, it's a time loop movie with Andy Samberg and Christian uh, Miliotti. Fantastic. If you haven't seen it, go see it. I laughed a lot. Uh, recently, Doctor Who episode, yes. Eve of the Daleks. It was even, Groundhog's Day, the movie was even mentioned in it by Dan. <laughs> yeah, it was the... January 1st, 2022 holiday special. In Star Trek, technically this happened before the the Groundhog Day movie, uh, but there's a 1992 episode of Star Trek The Next Generation called Cause and Effect, which is a time loop loop episode where they they keep trying to get it right and eventually they figure out what to do to fix it. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm counting it. There's a Groundhog Day musical based on the movie. With music by Tim Minchin. Fantastic comedian. Edge of Tomorrow, 2014, Tom Cruise Battles Aliens on a Time Loop. Yep. Ark, 2016, it's a Netflix engineer invents a time machine that causes a time loop. Buffy, the TV series, fifth season, Buffy gets stuck in a time loop trying to kill the mummy's hand. Angel, also based on that the Buffy TV series. Uh, episode called Time Bomb, Charmed, Deja Vu All Over Again, X-Files, an episode called Monday, Mulder Dies Over and Over, mm-hmm. Daybreak, there's a Tate Diggs keeps uh, reliving the day he was framed for murder, it was a very short-lived TV series, okay. I, don't, I don't even think it lasted the fir- for whole first season, technically Westworld, every day resets. It's true, it does. There's actually a documentary called A Groundhog's Day Story. Don't know what it is, but it's a documentary, so it's probably about Groundhog's Day. It might actually be about the history of Groundhog's Day. Possibly. Day of the Groundhog. The documentary's in 2017, so... Day of the Groundhog and 2004 TV movie. There's some music. There's two songs that I found called Groundhog Day. One was M. Behold in 2021. And the other one was Mayday, featuring CeeLo Green in 2011. And, of course, the last two years, in general, has felt like Groundhog's Day. <laughs> yep. 
also, there's also Run Lola Run. It's a 1998 movie uh, where she it, it, it relieves she. Anyway, it's a movie where she's trying to fix something, and every time she gets it wrong, it starts over again. Fifty uh, First States with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. Her amnesia. She, she, it, he's not reliving the same day, but she is. She's yep. starting the day over every day. Uh, Primer in 2004. Source Code in 2011. Uh, that's the one with Jake Gyllenhaal where he's put into someone else's body and he's trying to find the the bomb. The uh, 2017 movie called Naked. And then you mentioned Happy Death Day 1 and 2. See You Yesterday in 2019. There's about 100 episodes of TV shows with Groundhog that, that have Groundhog Day either in the title or, or, or referencing it, including Superstore, episode in 2018, The O.C., uh, episode in 2007, Lost Girl in 2013, What I Like About You in 2005, Shaun the Sheep in 2014, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, the short-lived series in, in 1996, The New Teen Titans in 2012, Max and Ruby in 2013, Simon's Particular Proportions pr- from the Elkscast in 2020, and Daily Planet in 2013, where I'm pretty sure they actually just talked about Groundhog Day. Yeah. And uh, there's a video game called Groundhog Day, like Father, like Son, which takes place after the movie Groundhog Day. It's actually Phil Connor's son, who's now reliving a day over and over again. A video game? Yep. Huh. From 2019. Now, Candlemas. Ooh. Lee Martin's The Midnight Hour, Flesh, flesh Eaters of Christmas, or, uh, Flesh Eaters of Candlemas Eve. The, it's, it's a TV show. It's a TV a, show? T- TV series called Lee Martin's The Midnight Hour. Okay. And there's an episode, an episode called Flesh Eaters of Candlemas Eve in 2012. Okay. Uh, there's a long-running... British religious program called Songs of Praise. They have two episodes that aired on February 1st, 2009 and February 3rd, 2019 called Candlemas. That makes sense. Yep. And of course, there's a Swedish metal band called Candlemas. (laughs) Now, in Februarylia, there is a Japanese EDM musician, Mifrino, and he has a song called Febrilia from that was released in 2019. And that's I'm surprised you found anything, honestly, for Candlemas in February. Me too. <laughs> but nothing for Imbolc, I'm guessing. No, I didn't find anything for Imbolc. Yeah. I'm sure if I would have looked like dug into the dark web or something, I could have found something. <laughs> no, 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 don't don't go there. But uh, I don't want to be my, flagged or anything. My my VPN isn't that good. No. <laughs> All right, uh, but yeah, that's that's about all I got. That's that's really we're going with a shorter episode uh, since we've had a few very long ones lately. Um, but we did want to mention again if you have any preferences, any formats you like. Do you like the verses? Do you like the holidays? Do you like the history of a specific location? Let us know. Um, or if you have any questions or comments. Please. Speaking of questions, we actually had someone email in a question. Yes, someone was curious about the Stonehenge podcast. And they were wondering if 
the people could have had help from any large animal. Specifically, they asked about mammoths or elephants. Well, mammoths died out about 10,000 years ago in Britain. They which, were which, is about, which is about 6,000 years before? Well, it was okay. They died out about 14,000 BC. Mm-hmm. And we figure Stonehenge would, would have been about 3,500 or 4,000 BC was so, when so, it was so, made. So about 10,000 so years about 10,000 years before Stonehenge okay. was put up. And elephants weren't brought there until modern methods, and they were strictly for human entertainment. Right. Like for circuses and zoos. Yes, exactly. But... People did did likely have access to. Okay, actually, hold on. People may have had access to domesticated cattle and oxen, but even that isn't certain. Mm-hmm. Um, cattle were domesticated in in Asia and Africa mm-hmm. about ten thousand BC, okay. and then they were brought. They were spread around the world, and in Britain. They actually bred in some of their local breeds, but, and that's actually just recently been scientifically discovered that they actually managed to interbreed, but it's unknown whether these nomadic people bothered with domesticated cows because they were constantly moving. And that that was probably even before horses even got that far. Yeah, they didn't even have horses. It's very, very unlikely they had horses. Yeah. Horses didn't come over until I think I think it was Probably the Celts. The well, it, or the Celts may have had them. Okay, but for sure the Romans. But for sure the Romans, definitely. But the Celts were still like a thousand years later. Yeah. So, um, they may have had other. They probably did have dogs, and they may have had other smaller domesticated animals like sheep and goats. But I can't see any of those helping them with... I, I can't see a sheep helping anybody doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> but even if they had oxen or cows, I mean, it may have helped them drag stones, but... Yeah, it it's most likely scenario is that people did it themselves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, but there was a fantastic question. It, it was... It was- and it's nice to, to get an actual question. And if anyone else has any questions about anything that we've covered so far or things that you'd like to have us cover, you can email us at diggingdeeperwiththeancients at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Instagram, which is also at diggingdeeperwiththeancients. And that's all one word. So I just want to also, just with the questions, just reminder that... We are not experts on these topics or at all. No. If you have specific questions, I will do some research. Like for this one, I thought it was interesting. So I looked into the history of when mammoths, because I didn't even know mammoths were in Britain. It may, totally makes sense that they were. But being from North America and, I mean, we don't even, we didn't even know these kinds of things. So I looked into the, where mammals were, where so I looked into where mammoths were and the domestication of cattle and horses and where they would have been at different times and what evidence has been found. And there there really hasn't been much evidence for domestication in early times in Britain, aside from dogs. But we're not experts. No. I will do a little bit of research 
just to get back to you on something. Oh, and, and if, if I have missed any pop culture references that you know of, let me know, because I would love to know more of these things. So, yeah, email me all you, all you want about anything. Just say hi. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, if you've liked what you heard, and uh, if you've made it this far, you probably did, uh, please uh, like, subscribe, share with your friends. Uh, that's the best way we're going to ever grow. So, um Thanks for listening. Thank you.